Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Smoko Podcast. My name is Alexis Armstrong, your host. The Smoko Podcast is the place to celebrate and highlight women working within STEM and trade occupations. So please tune in, take a break, join us. We're on Smoko. And today we are very lucky that we're joined by the lovely Che Peng. She is a living legend in the scientific ocean drill. <laughs> Yes, she is. Don't do that reaction. She is. I'm not there yet. <laughs> okay, a legend. Oh, he, li- living, okay. Living legend, a legend in the scientific ocean drilling world. She has worked with the ODP, IODP, and IODP, so Ocean Drilling Program, Integrated Ocean Drilling Program, and the International Ocean Discovery Program. She is a chemical oceanographer herself with a bachelor's and a master's to prove it. She has worked for years aboard and the Jordy's Resolution. She sailed around the world. She's done so many marine expeditions. I think the last time I asked you this question, I think it was like 10 years of your life had been spent sailing aboard the JR. And so we're going to talk all things oceanographic cruises and scientific ocean drilling and her time working as a laboratory officer for the IODP. So Che, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Che also was my old boss too. So she had to to take care of me when I first joined the program and I was a hooligan on board. So it's really nice to you see you. You did great. <laughs> We'd love to have you back. Uh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Che, <laughs> for our first question, to start us off, could you walk through how you ended up becoming a marine technician because you've been a marine tech since the 90s and your story, it started as an undergraduate in Taipei and then it ends now as a laboratory officer for the IODP in College Station, Texas. Walk through how you went from Taipei to Texas and how that happened. First, thanks, Alexis, for <laughs> inviting me on this, uh, this podcast, if you would. <laughs> I'm not used to being interviewed, so just bear with me. So I went to a university called Chinese Culture University in Taipei in the 80s and studied marine biology. And after I graduated, I decided to come to the United States to go to graduate school. And I picked oceanography at Texas A&M. You wonder why there's oceanography <laughs> in an inline, inlet school. Yeah. <laughs> I asked that question too, but it was a lock, if you would. Mm-hmm. I was going to study marine science. And actually, A&M has a branch at Galveston. They do marine science. But... For some reason, I picked oceanography, so and I station. <laughs> my advisor gave me some choices, and so for my master thesis, I did a radioactive tracer for a microorganism called a coccolithophorus, forest, trying to study if they uptake this material, that cadmium phosphate. But while I was here, I had a member on my thesis. She was a postdoc. I advised her. I was her first unofficial graduate student. She would mm-hmm. follow her around for two years. <laughs> and she ended up, got a job with ODP at the time, Ocean Drilling Program. And ODP at the time, they offer a lot of student symposium. So if you're a graduate student, you can write a paper, put a poster up, or give a speech. So I was able to attend that. And then I found out about Ocean Drilling Program through that. And I was like, oh. Great, selling on yeah. the ship. And the funny thing is the director at the time, his name was Phil Rabinowas, he had a sign-up sheet in his office for all the graduate students from geoscience, oceanography, geology, mm-hmm. geography. That if you want to sell on the ship as a temp tech, you can put your name down. So, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll do that. So for three years, and it never called me. 
Really? I didn't know Nobody, that. I had no idea did. he call you. Nobody <laughs> called me. And, uh, and I was graduating, so I was looking for a job. Yeah. And so my mentor is Marta. Yeah, Marta. Marta Torres. Marta said, so she introduced me to Brad Josen and another person named Dennis, who's in charge of a technician at the time. So I mm-hmm. went to them and said, I'm looking for a job. They said, oh, we don't have any opening. I said, that's okay. Here's my resume. So I went on. And, but that semester, I was doing some sample analysis for Marta in the mm-hmm. lab back here. And one day, Dennis came by and said, hey, Che, if you have time, come see me. Okay, so I finished yeah. what I'm doing. Went to see him, and he brought in other guys who were just sitting in the office and chit-chatting. And about 10 minutes into it, I realized this is a job. You know? <laughs> That's so typical, I already I know. <laughs> now he's just telling me about the ship. This is what happened on the ship. This is what you do, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, why are they telling me? Oh, you You're know, hired. Yeah. <laughs> so the next uh, last thing that says, when can you sell? You're like, what? Excuse me. And they're like, I need to graduate first. Anyway, that's how I got hired. (laughs) I love it. It's just, Uh, it hasn't changed, right? Like, it's still that attitude of your. Now it's still a bit more official. When you hire, we have to ask you all these sets of questions. But still, you realize we tell you more about us than you tell us more. (laughs) Yeah. You're kind of like, as it's happening, you're like, oh, should I, am I leaving tomorrow? Do I need yes. to get my visa? Like, where's my clothes? Yes. Like, yes. what is happening to me? We're going to book your ticket right now. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that that was your interview. That's so typical and so funny. And it's really funny that everybody got hired later. I think one of the most common complaints, if you was, oh, they didn't give me any notice. I only had two weeks on this. So I'm like, yeah, that's for everybody. Welcome. Oh, you lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Back in the day, I feel like it yes. was like literally off the dock, like yes. just yelling at people in San Diego to be like, do you want to come on this ship for <laughs> two months at a time? Yeah. It was complete so, pirates. You'd probably experience yourself after about three years or so, you start getting this, we call it burnout. You just mm-hmm. burn out because you go on this ship two months, you go home for two months, go to the ship for two months. And for you guys... You were at least sea flags. You get to go home. Yeah. And when I was hired, there was no sea flags. So everybody come to the office. And so you really get burned out. So Completely. about three years, I hated going to the ship. I didn't want to go. I want to leave so bad. I looked for a job. But <laughs> then the rude awakening is I actually got a job offer. And it's okay. We're going to pay you this much. And you get two week pay vacation. And that's when I said, what do you mean? That's it? Oh, year, two week pay. That's it. Wait, I need to go to Taiwan. You go do this. I need to go. Do this. <laughs> I was already bike trips to go on. I'm used like, to six what? months. What do you mean only two weeks? <laughs> yeah, that's how they get you. That is yeah. true. It's one of the perks yeah. of being even, a... even for us who are not sea flights, we get we get compensation time, we get vacation time, and we get ticket to go to the port and get ticket yeah. to come back from the ending port. So if you want to travel. The airline tickets paid, so you just have to pay in between. So that was just that. Well, wait. So I went home, had a really, I don't know how to describe it. Moment. Literally, like a rude yeah. awakening. So now when I went back to a I realized, and the thing is, during that one year I was looking for jobs, I always come back to our job advertised for our morning tech. And then you look at it and say, that's what I want to do. Oh, wait, yeah. I already have that choice. <laughs> You're <Oops>. like, <laughs> that's actually me already. That's actually, 
It's still my dream job. I keep on coming back to yeah. it. So then I had a mental uh, adjustment big time. And I realized this is the job I want. Yeah. This is what I really like to do. I really enjoy what I'm doing. So once I had that mental change, it wasn't too bad anymore. I were saying, yeah, there are moments. I said, what am I doing here? But that, I think that happened to everybody. Yeah. Any job, any, everywhere. I think that's just a human experience thing yeah. that occasionally you're like, what is happening to me? I love that you love your job. And I love that it's also like a love of the lifestyle and being like, yep, this is what I want to do. And I also love how your story is so serendipitous in a way, but it's also so like beautiful of meeting someone like Marta who had such a big impact. And that's such a serendipitous thing. But then she introduces you to one thing and to one person. I also love that Phil didn't call you for three years. That's hilarious right. in so hindsight. Be, be careful what you dream. <laughs> That's crazy. That didn't happen for three years. And then you still ended up yeah. on the ship. We've already talked a little bit about IDP, but could you maybe, if people don't know the program or don't know ODP or an IODP, could you describe what the program is, its mission and purpose, and then what is your role as a laboratory officer within the IODP? So the program started as a deep sea drilling program, Scripps, San Diego. <laughs> Actually, I think the whole story, too, I think on our website, there is a whole history page of it. Mm -hmm. You can read about it. So they, a bunch of scientists are exploring the idea of plate tectonic mm -hmm. hypothesis, but they can't prove it at the time. And this is 1950s. That's when the seismic, I think the seismic kind of developed from it. So they start having, sort of notice they can map the bottom of the ocean. Before that, there's no way they don't know what's going on down there. But, and then scuba scientists eventually got enough funding to contract a ship called the Golan Challenger. And they fixed Derek on it and they were able to preliminarily guessing, if you would, mm. where they think plate tectonics is happening. So if you're not familiar with plate tectonics, basically the entire surface of Earth, if you would, mm -hmm. including the bottom of the ocean, is all on a certain kind of plate. And this plate move around because if you think about the mantle of the Earth, it's liquid. So all the things floating on this heavy-duty yeah. liquid, they move. Just think about California, right? Yeah. So people know that Andrea, what's it called? San Andreas. San, San Andreas. It's a plate. LA and San Francisco are on plate and they're moving this way. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of Pacific, there's a serious island, if you would call Japan, Taiwan, Philippines, mm -hmm. Asia is called Ring of Fire. Those are the plate to boundaries like this. Yeah. yeah. So they push everybody up. Yeah. Okay. So then you have all the volcano and that's the plate. Mm -hmm. So the different plates, that's how they started. They went out for the Moho project, trying was the to first drill, one. They tried to drill holes or drill cores to see where all this separation area is. Mm -hmm. Proved it over the years. So officially the first, I think late one started in 1968 and that program went on to 1984. And then the program moved to Texas A&M in 1985 and changed name to Ocean Drilling Program. So the whole project from DSDP to ODP, then I think 2003, we changed into integrated ocean drilling program. Yeah. That's when Japan, U.S., Europe, three parts equally contribute. That went on for about 10 years. Now we changed to an international ocean discovery program. 
because apparently journaling is not a... Yeah, it had a bad word all of a yeah, sudden, so we and, changed yeah. it to discovery. that's yeah. when that rig exploded. Deep Sea Horizon, I think. Horizon, yeah. Wasn't it during that time? Yeah. Yeah. So they changed the name to Ocean Discovery Program. But overall, we still... It's a drilling ship, so we drill sediments and power rock, which of course back to the ship. And we usually have about 20, 30 scientists every exhibition. And there have different expertise from petrologists, paleontologists, geochemists. Now we include Organic. almost every course of microbiologists. Basically, everybody study a part of the course and they put a story together uh, trying to find out. If you just use one sentence like history of Earth. So we studied, we still studied plate tectonic. We still, how fast they move. Now we also go to Arctic and Antarctica to study how fast ice sheet move mm -hmm. and how fast they retreat because of global, maybe I shouldn't say that, global warming. No, it's true. It's <laughs> true. climate right. change, yes. Oh, and those are very interesting. It's like a tree ring, if you would. Mm -hmm. Every time, every season, the ice sheet come out, retreat, come out, retreat, yeah. come out, retreat. It's beautiful they, to see. When they retreat, when yeah. they melt, they have drop stones because when they froze, they take something from the land, come ice, and they melt when they melt, everything that was trapped will settle down to the yeah. ocean. So when we get this core, vertical core, you think about like a recording, just layers and layers and layers of recording what happened in the atmosphere. In the open ocean, you still have particles in the air, right? Like you can tell your audience, like every week you have to clean a house. Why? Because you have sediments, yeah, accumulate particle on your desk. Yeah, on your TV and think about that's ha happening everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Also in the open ocean, you got particles. They're s much slower, obviously, but they mm -hmm. still settle. Detritus and it still yeah. settles. We retrieve all this cord. You can study layers by layers. Mm -hmm. And a lot of chemical and physical characters like magnetic seals or a certain type of isotope ratio, all this information are trapped in those particles. When they settle down, when we got those core scientists with uh, help with the instrument, we can determine, oh, here's the magnetic field. It's this way, that way. Or certain elements is, is happening more in this area or less. Or the microfossil, we have different species. They die out. Why they yeah. die out? There's Ooh. just so much information so that much we can tell. We can tell the yeah. entire environment and that yeah. signature. We can put it to time, to geologic time. We can yeah. put it to changing like ice sheets, like Che said. It's basically right. like a snapshot of time, oh, yeah. of ocean so sediment. We just spent, uh, my last cruise was in the agency. Oh, cool. Greece. Yeah. And Gorgeous. we were studying volcanic eruptions and those are more recent eruptions. Cool. We actually spent a whole week in the Santorini Caldera. Whoa, that's about that? That's super cool. That's yeah, it. And unfortunately, the, and we have recovered hundreds and hundreds of meters of pumice. Oh, it's yeah. It's crazy. And that's pumice awesome. is really hard to recover because they fall in. They're so light, right? Yeah. Think about you put a metal pipe down, try to retrieve them. As soon as you go in, they, everybody fall in <laughs> and the pipe gets stuck. I could see drilling into that being like completely easy mess. thing to do. No, I could see. I don't think I've ever seen pumice drilled into. I don't think we have really got much pumice on our hard rock. No. I can't think Usually, of one. Usually, you remember if we get volcanic ash, they're like all the signs of the right? Yeah. We have hundreds and hundreds of meters of them. Oh, that's gorgeous. <laughs> that's so beautiful yeah. to see. I've oh, never seen goodness. anything like that. That's it's really amazing. cool, Che. It's amazing. Che just so, like, 
also mentioned oh, so many things too that we see within the core, like magnetic fields and chemistry and paleo paleontology. Like she was basically walking through every single aspect of the lab. Che's job was to manage the entire technical <laughs> staff. So every single one of those labs fell onto Che's responsibility. Obviously, like there's a lab tech and a marine tech assigned to each lab, but we all report to Shay and Che's job was to make sure that we, our machines were working correctly, that data was stored correctly, that we were getting adequate measurements, we were getting good data, we were maintaining quality, and then also that we weren't killing each other and that we were all functioning. No fighting. Okay. No fighting. Right. Yeah. So it's so Jay just mentioned every single aspect of the core because that was all falls into her, her responsibility as LO. It's true. That's <laughs> yeah, true. It's every single lab was basically. We're human beings. I don't know if we mentioned. So on the ship, we have three groups of people. One of the group is technical support. Mm -hmm. We all hired by IODP, which we all pay by Texas A&M. So our job, like Alexis says, is to make sure all the instruments. So you, everybody has an assigned duty. We assign to a paleomet lab or like Alexis before your lab you were on the description but before yeah. that you were in x-ray yeah and we have things section we, we basically grind it maybe it's the right word a rock to the point that is so thin that you can see on the slide you can yeah. see through different it's like a glass plane almost basically yeah. minerals if you yeah. think about all the rocks are made from minerals and they reflect to different lights in different ways. We have chemistry technicians, and we also have computer full, fully 24-hour computer support. We have two electronic technicians. They work on electronic. Everything. <laughs> Anything that breaks. Anything. <laughs> or bookshelf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our jack-of-all-trades that are yes. responsible for fixing everything that we break. Yes. And now we have two full-time programmers on board yeah. because we have a lot of softwares that we've created ourselves, vacation, if you would, to run this insurance because core processing is such a unique thing. You don't get it too many places. We definitely is in the large scale because on the cruise, I think you were on that cruise. We almost got 7,000 meters. Of course, oh, right? that was gross. Yeah, I hated that <laughs> cruise. That cruise was disgusting. So, yes. The core yeah. is coming out every 20 to 30 minutes, core on deck, core on deck, core on deck. Yeah. And every core, you got it. Product curation, we got cutting, we run them through different instruments as a whole run, mm -hmm. and split them and then get them out. And worse for the technician, now you have to pack it up, box <laughs> yeah. it, and move it downstairs. It's a logistical nightmare. No stop. Yeah. No stop. Yeah. yeah. It's very physically demanding. That's for sure. Even just without that, you, you're stuck on the ship for two months, 60 days, like you were saying earlier. Try not to kill each other, but we're human. <laughs> we're going to have conflicts and disagreements. Hundred bad mood day. <laughs> it's just part of it. Like some yeah. days are just like, whoop, don't talk to Alexis today. It's yeah. just, and maybe this goes into our next question, Che, is what was your favorite aspect or what's your favorite aspect of working as Marine Tech? And then what's something that's challenging? Maybe it's making sure that we don't kill each other on board <laughs> is what's challenging. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it is true. Managing instrument is a lot more easier than managing people yes a hundred percent instrument is pretty much 100 percent predictable sure you're gonna have sometimes a breakdown you don't yeah. know why eventually we'll all find out why because of machine and we've also designed most of them from scratch like you were saying there yeah. are babies that we've created the program we can eventually fix it but people just everybody's different everybody has different background different personality mm -hmm. when you're asking what's the favorite part of my job is it's really diversity it's 
not just the job itself, it's people. It's funny, when I first became assistant lab officer, I hated dealing with conflict. If I tell you to do something and you have bad days, I don't want to do it. It just drove you crazy. Eats, no, yeah. eats me alive. Yeah. Oh. How do I deal with this? How do I? How am I gonna? Yeah. You know, I don't want to talk to her today. She's not my <laughs> favorite person anymore. She doesn't. <laughs> so it's for, and you just gotta remember, we didn't go to school to learn managing people. We no, we didn't learn science. To, and like rocks too. We're there because we just all had rock collections, and we're like, oh, we just thought these were cool, man. That's it. I took a lot of leadership classes, and then I realized I. Take it as a challenge. How do I get you to do what I want you to do? <laughs> and then actually it's accomplishing me if I'm able to do it. Yeah. If I'm not, I'll try to yeah. find a way. And then that yeah. become, again, it's a, it's an interesting thing to do. I try to tell all the new assistant animals, I see yeah. all of them went through the same thing. I just can't handle it because all these people are so hard to, some people are yeah. really challenging. But then I try to tell them, don't, don't let that bother you. Don't take mm -hmm. it personally. Your job is to make sure they do their job. So yes. how do you make sure they do their job? How do you make them see this is what you need to do? Yeah. That's important. And to see you guys grow into that job and grow, become mature out of yeah. it. It's, I'm like, oh, thank you. Aww, yeah, <laughs> doing this. Oh, 100%, Shay. I think about when I first started, I'm like, that's why I said at the beginning, I was like, Che had to deal with me as a hooligan. I think I was like a 26-year-old punk kid that thought I knew everything. Yeah, right? the only one. <laughs> I could see that a lot of joy there of yeah. feeling and accomplishment, I think is what I'm trying to say, is yeah. of seeing someone grow and become better at their job and better as a human being and like more of themselves through your management and also learning how to manage people effectively and better and letting things not bug you as much with like internal conflict because it's a hard job that you live and work with the people that work for you. I couldn't imagine having all of your employees that also have to see you at 5 a.m. when you go to the gym and like when yeah. you just want to watch your TV and they'll be like at your door. Exactly. And be like, yeah. And they'll be like, so-and-so is mean to me. And you're like, I honestly can't deal with you right now. Please. This is my one hour by myself. I couldn't imagine how it would be like to be a manager in that position. And just it's difficult. But when you get it right, I could see it being really fulfilling. It's the same thing as me growing, right? Is that I realized you just don't take it personally. They're yeah. not really hating you. No, they're, not at all. They're, they're probably hating this whole situation. I'm yeah. pretty sure. You know, so how do we help you guys yeah. to see, to get out of it? I don't know if you remember, I told everybody first sales and you have to find a way to release that stress. Mm -hmm. It's a stressful job. Completely. Whatever you need to do, you need to lock yourself in a room for an hour. That's fine. Or go to the gym or go to Helladay and scream your head off. Yes. Figure it out. Just don't, yeah. just don't fight. Yeah. <laughs> don't take it out on other people. The number one rule is no <laughs> fighting. I think that's true too, because you don't know how stressful of a job it is. I remember you telling me that, but I also remember me being like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's not that stressful of a job. And then a couple of months in and you're like, like calling down your hair. <laughs> like I, I haven't seen land forever. And it's just, it takes a little bit to to get used yeah. to, I guess. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Like I said, watching you guys mature into the job and say, hey. Or like doing a little technique to be like, oh, that's my technique of open that box. I know where she learned that. Yeah, to be like, that's how I hold the stapler.
Like it's the same. I, I teach him <laughs> exactly. Completely. And yeah. maybe, Che, because you've been with the program for so long and have done this forever. Has there been any big difference from the program at the very beginning to the program that exists now? Is there something like does the program <laughs> looks completely different from when it started to now or is it basically the same? On the ship, I hate to say this, but I think it's the same thing for the world. Is this when this, this harassment, not harassment, but DEI, diversity, yeah. equality comes in. In the old days, definitely people are a lot rougher. Yeah, you yeah, and, I could uh, imagine. You have to maybe stand up for yourself. Uh, but yet, it can be a lot of fun because mm-hmm. there are things we've got away with. Yeah. I mean, some of the stories of back in the day, you're like, I could not imagine that now. Like, it was yeah. like cowboy science a little bit. When I first came sat on the ship, answer one of your question about women, yeah. there is fewer women, but there are always three or four, but yeah. minimum scientists, too. There are at least three or four of them, maybe sometimes more. And the captain, I saw within really like women on the ship. I have gone through, I've experienced few others especially drill for guys yeah they're from pretty conservative area and they were like what are you out here oh because you don't have a husband to take care of like, yeah. yeah whatever you know, God, i'm never gonna have one of those man <laughs> yeah. but the funny thing is i'll tell you that we have this one guy is i don't understand why you guys just not married and don't have children to take care of and at the time the texas governor was Ann Richard. She was great. All four big city, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, El Paso, city mayors are female. And Margaret Thatcher was the yeah, prime dying minister. lady. Yeah. So I was like, do you own a TV set? <laughs> do you watch TV? <laughs> Where do you think you are right now? What year do you think that it is? Yeah. Do you think it's the 1950s? What's going on? So that's, that changed a lot. We, we were pretty rough. You, sometimes I have to be careful because those days I would just say something back to them. In my opinion, 99.9% of people are not, they're not there to do anything to you or against mm-hmm. you or sabotage you. They just say, I don't understand why you're not you're here. You know, why, yeah. I don't understand why you, as a female, why don't you get a secretary job or something? They're still they, extremely biased, but they're not going to be. They really, they're because just confused. their background, they really just yeah. don't know. They yeah. don't know. They don't understand it. So I think it's actually good for them to see us being on the ship and we just do our job. But nowadays, I mean, the job aspect of it doesn't really change. Sure, the instrument's fancier, more accurate, precise. Sometimes you need less time because of the auto sampler for some of the instruments. But I, overall, it's the same in a way. It's just the but culture, maybe. Just, the culture is quite different. And I think... For the most part, I think that's a good change. But some of the stories of the wild parties and some of the like <laughs> the craziness that you guys used to get up to, I think, is yeah. is definitely with like rosy tinted glasses. I love hearing those stories. And I know I've asked you another question, which we'll get to in a little bit. Of some of those stories, because they're my favorite. I think it's good that the culture has changed for the most part. We're still going to get rough and tumble dudes and guys in in ocean drilling. It is just part of it. But I think you're right that us being there and just being ourselves and them having to deal with seeing us do our job will have a bigger impact that we know. For the next question, Che, the thing with ODP and IODP really is that there's always been a fair bit of women who have worked within the program. Like even back in the day, like you said, there was like four or five women for a staff of 20 or 30. 
back in the 80s, 90s. Could you maybe speak to some of your early day mentors? I know you already mentioned Marta as being mm-hmm. one of them. And could you speak to how they impacted your career when you were just starting? Just watching the female scientists coming on board and they do whatever job is assigned yeah. to them. I have the privilege working with someone she's my I won't say hearing, but I do admire her and Miriam Castro. You probably saw her. Yeah. She, yeah. She's amazing. Like the God, Godmother of geochemistry in the United States. And she's from Israel. Uh-huh. And her family were during the World War II, there a lot of them were killed. Yeah. She was part of the group that marched from, I think, Poland or East Germany to wow. East. For her to being a Jewish woman during that era she had to fight i'm pretty sure every yeah. step of the way to get 100 percent a professorship yeah in uc david uc san diego and be a leading role first she come across really demanding and she will sit there and talk your years out to get what she want <laughs> and i think that's her strategy over yeah. the years that she developed yeah i've seen her talking to a coaching for two hours She's going to she get exactly what she wants. Oh, yeah, 100%. She, she t- talk to you and to say, okay, take whatever you want. <laughs> I have had enough. Please, Miriam, leave me alone. Leave, have some peace. But, <laughs> first time I sell with her, I asked a couple of questions. Like, why do you want to take sample this way? Why do you want to analyze sample this that way? It turned into an hour class every day for the entire two months. That's she amazing. She down, explain to me. Why we do it this way? Why we do this analysis? Yeah. What this element means? What this data means? And I learned so much. Yeah. Another thing I told all you guys is talk to your scientists. They're the expert. They know what they're doing. Oh, hundred percent. I learned so much from her. And after a while, you take her side. That she has that charm, right? Yeah. And they mean that you take her. Yeah. <laughs> and you will do anything. I will do anything for it. I love those type of people when you meet them early on that just teach you so much. I think have that attitude because it's such a boss attitude that you don't really see that often of someone that brings you on their side, gets what they want, but does it in a really kind, yeah. professional, amazing way. And is also just so good at what they do. She's amazing yeah. in geochemistry. Yeah. She, those are the old fashioned true chemists. They're yeah. the one that explain to you why this element behave this way. And when you run into another element, why does it behave that way? Amazing. Chemistry. Yeah. They know of it and it will teach you if you ask, if you're willing to learn. Yeah. The brains behind that. I love meeting people yeah. like that. And I think it's just so powerful to have a mentor that teaches you everything. And you can just yeah. sponge it up because you're right. We're in a really lucky position as a marine tech that we get to meet some of the best scientists in the yeah. entire world. At the Some top the of the too. game. It's true. They're not all good. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, I don't think that's correct. I know that's not correct. I know what that rock is and that's not. But that's yeah. okay. That happens. For the most part, like you do get these amazing people. We're very lucky. I always remember, I think you and Lisa Tauks, I think uh, you guys organized it. That party that we met, oh, all the of the reunion. old techs, the tech reunion. Yeah. Some of the women that I met during that tech reunion. The wilds? Oh my god. They were wilds. <laughs> they were wild. They were like the deep sea drilling ladies. Yep, and yep. speaking to, they've just, I'm always going to remember that. Like speaking to this one woman who is probably in her 80s. Tr- Trudy? Trudy, yes. Tr- yeah. And she was telling me about how the Russian National Guard was following them one expedition and every single day she would walk out and she'd flash them her tits 
And then she would have her coffee. And I was just yeah. like, someone's grandmother was telling me this. And I was like, this is... Well, oh, yeah, well, these are the people in the 60s. Yes. I mean, they're 20 years old in yeah. the 60s. They're the rebels, if you would. And she yeah. was telling me she has this other lady. I can't think of her name right now. They, she went to Australia. They were down the Challenger. Mm-hmm. Got off and just spent two months exploring. That's crazy. And this is way before internet or... Yeah. Or, Travel agent. I said, How do you know where you're going? So oh, you just ask the local. How do you know where to stay? <laughs> oh, you just ask the local. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They're the different just, generation. Yeah. Right. I've always found those women and like one of the things about IDP that I love the most is you find those women and those mentors really early on, these like yeah. wild women. I still think that they exist. I still think you're a wild woman, Jay. Like you've biked all over the world. Like how many times? <laughs> no, not yet. Around the world. Like, like I think that's been something that's really cool about the program. Yeah, I think that's also be- that part of it attract you to this job is to there. What is adventure? I adventure is you go somewhere, something, or do something that you don't know. Yeah, you don't know, right? So for some people, they would never step out to do that. If I don't know, I would not eat this. If I don't know, yeah. I would not go there. Yeah, you know, those women, they're pioneer. I, I was telling the truth. I, was, I enjoy it so much. <laughs> yeah, like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> I like it. It's just, she was someone's grandma. And she was just like, I was just flashing my so much. Yeah, has so much fun talking about it. <laughs> she still tell. She was just like the hit of the party. And she was like, yeah. And then sometimes I would put Playboy magazines in containers and float them up and I would get vodka in return. And I was like, oh, my goodness, Trudy. Yeah. Jay is because you yourself, you have some crazy stories from being on the JR. <laughs> like you've been to Antarctica. I was like one of the only scientists from the JR that got to go down to Antarctica and live in McMurdo. We were almost boarded by pirates, which was absolutely <laughs> crazy before my time. And then we also, the boat survived like the perfect storm, like the perfect storm from the movies in the barely. North Atlantic, like barely survived. It almost went down. Could you talk to some of the crazier moments of are there a couple that like live in your head that you're like, well, that was mm-hmm. insane? Like the one you said, uh, actually, that. Lake 152, we're up in the, in that area already. That was two years prior to the perfect storm. And we ran into a storm, but luckily we left before it happened. So in the Northern Atlantic, this actually happened every year. Why it's called perfect storm. You, you get the uh, typhoon, a hurricane, hurricane coming up yeah. from the equator on the east coast of the U.S. and go up. But they, because the rotation of the earth and the, the land mass, a lot of storms form right there off mm-hmm. coast Greenland. And then sometimes they combine. That's what's called a perfect storm. That's what yeah. happened to us. Yeah. We were drilling too close to land. Say too close. Yeah. Relatively, yeah. Relatively yeah. about 20 miles or less. And it was like five meters or wa- 500 oh, meters so of water. It's really shallow. Yeah. If we're in the deep ocean, might not be a big deal. Right? Yeah, so we so knew, we knew there was a storm coming out, but we didn't know there was one form right Oh, but top of us. So the two combined, by the time we realized, we can't move. Yeah. We had 200 meters of drill pipes still dangling below us. Oh, my God. Yeah, wowing, right? Oh, and that takes forever to bring back and up, and you can't move with it. You can't. Well, we dropped yeah. it. We didn't. Did you drop there it? There's no way. Oh, they dropped it. Yeah. Because uh, we didn't want to ground. If we ground, it's that's true. it. Yeah. You know, ship, right? Yeah. We had 12 thruster. What they did is they put the thruster down, they dropped those pipes. They basically, we know where the shoreline is. 
So they basically turned the ship parallel to the shoreline and let the storm blow at us. So we oh, were going backwards, yeah. but they used the thruster to keep position. Yeah. So we basically turned ourselves into an iceberg. That's what they did. And I and think that saved, saved us. That's really, that's smart. That's but very we good for the captain. Yeah. You can't do anything in that storm. You yeah. can't outrun it. You can't try yeah. to go against it. You just have to and take it. We had two radar at the time. And so what happened is the wave was so big, it was pounding the window on the bridge. Mm -hmm. The water temperature is right around freezing. So it's the seawater is not really water, it's flush. Yeah. They're a little, just like sushi. So it pounded the, the window for 40 some hours and finally broke it. And, uh, and it flooded. So scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It twice. We were just basically maintaining and, and the, well, who was it? Danish? I think it was Danish Coast Guard. They came out to look for fishing boat and they found us. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Escort. By then, we, had, yes. we used to have little antenna and stuff. They were all gone. Yeah, so everything no, was gone. No communications. We don't have the ham radio, I think. But they found us, escorted us down to the hot part of the escort down, but we went to Halifax. Wow. Like limping. Wow. I've never experienced the ship just literally limping. And imagine yeah. the ship, but just there's no regular that. No. Movement. There was no rhythm anymore because yeah. it was damaged. And it was just, even the lookout was calm. The ship was doing this number. Oh my goodness. I couldn't yeah. imagine. Even the video footage that I've seen of it, of like you guys in your survival suits or like people going against the storm outside to try to board up the yeah, bridge patch up to the, patch the up the bridge. It just looks terrifying. I couldn't imagine being there with it. Everyone in but, survival suits, everyone no, looks I mean, relatively the, normal. Everyone looked like not too freaked the, out. That's the problem. Yeah. That problem. I was so naive. I didn't know. I don't know how to run operate a ship, right? Yeah. And then you know that the captain not going to do anything stupid because she, he wanted to live too. And we're, you know, literally that saying, we're on the same boat. Yeah. You know? yes. We're all going down if we go down. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they took care of it. I just remember, I think my shock was like I was telling you earlier, the OSHA, the lab stack was like a kind of, if you think yeah. of a container, turn it on top of vertical. it. Yeah. So on one side, there's a stair go up to the, Main deck, I think. No, main deck go up to the fossil deck, and there was where it bolted. And I remember after the storm, we were on our way back to Halifax. I was going through there, and it just looked different to me. That bolt there, that yeah. layer, probably I would say maybe three meters long. So it's the cushion and the bolts are gone. <laughs> That's insane. So you see light coming yeah. through on the side of the wall. And I was sitting there going, like, what, what is what happening? Yeah. Like, why is that light coming through? <laughs> and I realized that, holy moly. <laughs> holy shit, we almost lost that. The other no. like, six bullets are gone. Oh my goodness. That's crazy to see. And That's when I realized that the entire time we were in the lap sack. Yeah. Sure, it's rough. We couldn't do anything. It's, this is beyond seasick. You know yeah. that V8? commercial everybody's walking sideways yeah that's exactly what it is you walk this way walk this way because the ship just i can't imagine that because like even then sometimes rusty's like everyone walks sideways or like holds you know how you go upstairs wait yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) 
It's true too. You probably had no communication, so you probably didn't know it was the perfect storm or how bad it was until until you came in and then being like, "Oh, you guys are so lucky. You guys survived." And then you're like, "Holy shit! I didn't even realize we were limping and and fighting for it." I remember I would came into Halifax. There was a canal, so we were selling a canal, and it's a canal, so you got land on both sides. The ship's still doing this. (laughs) Oh my god! And I was like, "Couldn't stop moving already." (laughs) Can you please get us? Too late to get off. Please tell us. Oh my God. You've been on this forever and so many cool things have come out of this program. Is there something instead of like crazy memory, but like for a scientific or for findings, is there something that sticks in your head that you're like, that was so cool that I got to be part of seeing all of those ash layers from Greece that you were just talking about or going down to Antarctica or anything like that? One of the thing was the KT boundary that we recovered, of course, I think it was Carolina. I can't remember what cruise it was. I think I wrote it down somewhere. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I think it was 171B. I can't remember what year it was. But so they, the KT boundary, they basically mm-hmm. proved the major impact, impact yeah. to the Yucatan and sent out all these ashes. The earth, I think, was dark or 500 years yeah. or some crazy <laughs> that's when dinosaur you know most dinosaurs mm-hmm. I remember one of the paleontologists was showing me right before this impact there was a I think it's a born maybe it's a coccolith mm. that has established so many pores and all of their like decorative things yes. excretion you know, yeah. calcium carbonate and then the impact hit after that for about a couple of centimeters 500 years on earth there's nothing right mm. that and after that you start seeing single simple organism start over again yeah a whole nother because it was a huge extinction yeah. event like it's yeah. a ginormous extinction event in earth yeah. history and then like a restart of the planet basically i would love to see that yeah. the one that always sticks out for me just even though we didn't get that much material do you remember when we drilled into the volcano off the coast of new zealand do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. That yeah. one always sticks for me because I yeah. think that's so cool that we were like crazy enough to be like, let's drill into an active volcano. Carolina came all over. Yeah. <laughs> and all of the machines came back that like just molten and just we lost so much data because everything kept on melting. That one yeah. always sticks in my and head. And acidic too. Remember yeah. the water is so acidic. It was like battery acid, like pH of one. And I think our temperature was at like 500 yeah. or something ridiculous. Yeah. Our core pipe, remember? It like ate through the core Blacken. pipe. Another one for me was 158 or 159. It was a tech mount. So it's, we drew into the, the, we're talking about plate tectonic, the spreading zone. Yeah. So there was like black smoker. Oh, that's that really area. cool to go into. And that was unknown at the time. Yeah. But they have done, the scientists, <laughs> beginning of the cruise, the scientists have gone down with submersible and they're showing us all this very dedicated system. Mm-hmm. Black smoker, there's shrimps and type of worms. Yeah, like, all like right super worms. Then the jarrow went and we poked, I think, 17 holes, whole pee. <laughs> oh my God. Because we'll get stuck. Yeah. We'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blow the pipe three, four, four times. Because we'll keep getting stuck. And then I remember one incident, we had a VIT down there to try to find Which a is a camera. Place. Yeah, yeah, it's the camera trying to find a place to spot, to, to drill. Because mm-hmm. all deposit, right? It's, it's hard stuff. And suddenly the camera went dark. So we thought, oh, they killed the whatever it is, killed the camera. So the camera died. And about 
I don't know, a minute or two later, camera came back on. Like, oh, okay. okay. It's okay. It's, it's all right. So they keep doing it. And then they brought the camera back out. So the camera is mounted on this frame that mounts around the drone. Mm-hmm. And it's a frame. We actually hit a black smoker. We got a meter of black smoker. <laughs> on the camera? On the <laughs> of course, the scientists went crazy, right? Yeah, because completely. We never, ever recovered anything like that. I couldn't imagine, but we grabbed it. Yeah, you grabbed it with the camera. You grabbed a chunk of black smoke. Everybody's (laughs) knock over the chimney. (laughs) I love when stuff like that would come back up. I remember one time we, I think Wayne called me and he was just like, Armstrong, we got something on the camera. And it was just like all those like eggs. There were like weird, some organism. And I was like, Wayne, honestly, we do not want to start this. This is like the start of a sci-fi bad movie. Where we yeah. all end up on a ghost. But sometimes the camera would come back with some crazy stuff. Or yeah. we'd have no idea. Wow. And this would be a sad one to end it on, Cham. Sorry, this is my beat. <laughs> right. The program, unfortunately, and it, I was really heartbroken when I heard this. And we talked about this a little bit before we started this interview. Is that the program has come to an end. Could you maybe speak to the last year of the program? Because I think it's ending in 2024. Do you know what wrap-up looks like yet? What do you think is going to be the next steps for the core repositories and core yeah. the programs. So right now, the program ends at the end of September 2024. Oh, my uh, goodness. So the last exhibition will be 403, which will end August 2nd, I think, 2024, in Amsterdam. That's where we want to do the demobilization. So we're going to spend about two months in Amsterdam to take over. A&M would like to set up a lab back here. Of mm. course, the core is going to stay in the repository for a long time. Good. As for who's going to fund them, NSF gave us five years to phase out. Okay. Every so, exhibition yeah. has about one one year of monitoring. So mm-hmm. four, three, ending in August 2024, will one year automatically. So that will continue. Science will continue to get samples. And of course, the course will go to Bremen because it's in the Atlantic Ocean. So Bremen will, I don't know, Bremen and Kochi, I don't know what their funding situations. If A&M can get funding to set up some kind of lab back here, we'll send some equipment back. And the B obviously will need technical support to some yeah. degree. That's what they see what's happening. But there's so many proposals, not official proposals, but so many talk and discussion going on right now. And I also heard a lot of scientists in the scientific community People need a lab tech. One of our techs are willing to go. I'm pretty sure they'd be happy to take them. A hundred percent. We're very you know. well trained for marine yeah. missions. I hope some people go yeah. to maybe the national programs, right? Like to NOAA or yeah. to maybe some uh, of the other. You know, is all run by individual universities. So I don't know what opportunity there are. I myself want to retire. Yeah, I you're going to travel around. Yeah. Any, anyway. Yeah, you're on your bike. But we knew this program but if you remember you, you have a letter every year for your employment and it's all yeah. soft money but you think of it like what they're saying if you are any scientific project and get i don't know i don't have a million dollars in one year so it's a pre- pretty good deal still we still yeah. got five more full exhibition to support at least you still have so. a couple expeditions going through and then a five-year plan of core repository of taking care of it but even yes it's a soft money project but I never expected the IRDP to go down. Like for me, the IRDP is 
like the NASA of the oceans. And I think for most of the scientific community, like that's an establishment that it's such a big deal. And we've gone from the 60s and every single type of government, like from Republican to Democrat, back to Republican to Democrat. And we've survived all of those big changes in government and also in like world economics and have still stayed through. I just thought that the program was going to last forever. I really did. That drone got shut down over in Ukraine or Russia. That drone has... That drone itself can support the program for two years, probably. <laughs> what it looks at, like, total spend? I'm uh, sorry. It's a bummer way to end it. I did want uh, to talk about it because the program, unfortunately, it's such an amazing program and it breaks my heart that it's ending. One last question. If you could maybe give any advice to a young person listening to this or watching this who is either in oceanography or becoming a marine tech, what would be your advice? to them for someone who's just starting? Overall, I think you just need to try things out. It just really follow your heart. And you have to, like I told you my personal experience, every job you get, you're going to have a burnout. You're going to say, I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. You have to take a step back and think about what do you want? Like I was saying, I always come back to our job advertisement. Yeah. This is what I want. Yeah. If that's what you want, you either change your own mentality and say, okay, this is what I want. This is what mm -hmm. I'm going to do. The, every job, there's aspect of things that you're going to, it's just a matter of finding it. How do you find it? But also there's no harm just to go out, try different things. And try right? it out, so, see if you like it. If you don't, try something yeah. different. And I think it's a really good mentality of just follow what feels right. If it does feel right. And if you're like, yeah, this is the lifestyle I want. Recognize that it might come with some periods that you're like, yeah, this sucks. I've stared at the same <laughs> 20 faces for two weeks. Yeah. It's just a part I of the job. There's no harm. You know, this, I'm miserable. This is miserable. Mm -hmm. I really don't want to do this. Then that's fine. I think the worst is people get stuck in that and just can't get themselves out of it. You either change your own mentality or if you cannot, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's okay to restart. I think it's good advice. I think that's a good way to end it because I no, think that's, that's fantastic me. It works advice. For me. Thank you, Chase, so much. <laughs> it was absolutely lovely to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. This has been Smoko. Thank you guys for listening so much. And thank you, Chase, for coming on to the show.